This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! This episode of Astrocast is brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing. Today, the Houston Astros wrap up their three-game series in Seattle against the Mariners. It's the rubber game of this three-game set as the Astros took the game yesterday 6-1. to Framber Valdez struck out eight, allowed a run over seven innings. Kyle Tucker, four hits, including a double, drove in a run as the Astros have won three of their last four. Astros 28 and 27. They sit second in the AL West and can clinch a playoff spot today if they win and if the Angels lose their game in San Diego. The Mariners have a record of 24 and 31. Let's take a look at today's pitching matchup presented by Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist is proud to be the official health care provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. It'll be Zach Greinke on the mound for the Astros today and always feel a, a sense of calm and a sense of comfort when you know Greinke's <laughs> on the mound for the Astros. Well, he's, he's fun to watch pitch. You, you get calm just uh, knowing that uh, he's going to give you a good performance as far as strike throwing and uh, commanding and executing game plans and things of that nature. Uh, it was almost a, exactly a year to the date. It was September 25th last year when Greinke had a no-hitter really late into the ball, the ball game into the ninth inning. The funny part about that is Greinke after the game saying he's glad he didn't throw it because he was going to have to answer more <laughs> questions. So typical Zach Greinke. Uh, it's a big game for the Astros. Of course, they, they want to do this as soon as possible, lock their, their place into the playoffs so they can rest some of their players uh, in, in no night like uh, tonight with Greinke on the mound. Nick Margavish is left-hander on the mound for the Mariners. Astros saw him in a start uh, last month and, and pitched pretty well in that game, mm -hmm. although he, he got a loss, getting some opportunities for the Mariners here down the stretch. He's got a couple of put-away pitches, doesn't throw real hard. He's left-handed, but he pitches inside, and that opens things up uh, on the outer third, as we know, a little later in these counts. So uh, if he makes a mistake inside early in these counts, the Astros hitters need to be aware. Keys of the game presented by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals in all models. Honda, the official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, obviously disappointing the Astros didn't extend their run of consecutive uh, American League West titles to four in a row, but still with a chance to get back to the postseason for a fourth straight year, fifth time in six years. Need a win tonight and an Angels loss to the Padres. That game should be over before the Astros game is. So uh, the Astros are in a situation where they have a chance to, to maybe pop some champagne or whatever they're doing now to celebrate these things in this social distancing era. You know what? And if that's the case, they, they should be proud of it. I mean, they, they've overcome a lot of adversity this year, and it started with the first week of the season losing probably their most indispensable player in Justin Verlander, and they figured out a way. You know, and they... They leaned on a lot of young pitchers. Uh, I, I think a lot of guys came together uh, to help those youngsters along the way. And, 
And right now you're looking at some of these guys now with a little bit of experience feeling pretty good. You know, if the offense starts to click just a little bit, feel pretty good going into the playoffs. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros manager Dusty Baker. And a little later, we'll hear from Dr. Priya Ramshis of the Houston Methodist Cancer Center. But now this from your local station. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that goodbye into the Landry's Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford box? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. James hunched over as he looks in, shakes off Maldonado a few times. Now comes Seth. 2-2. At the knee, strike three, and that is the ball game. The Houston Astros have won three of their last four as they defeat the Seattle Mariners by a final of six to one. Astros a step closer to the postseason. Well, those weeks today could wind up being a pretty significant day for the the 2020 Astros. If the Astros were able to win today, provided that the uh, Angels also lose their game uh, to the Padres, the Astros would clinch a postseason spot. And uh, this is what you know you've been working for since since you got here and uh, to finally be on the cusp of it and, and hopefully accomplish it in the next day or two has to be pretty exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, you just got to take it one day at a time and don't look too far in, in the future. The future will turn into your, your past uh, if you do that. So um, you just got to take it one day at a time and, uh, you know, don't assume anything. You got to beat these guys because, you know, they're playing good ball in there and they're, They've been coming back in a few games as, as, as to why we had Paredes and James close the game out last night. So, um, you know, like they're playing with a lot of a lot of pride and, uh, you know, they like nothing more, you know, than to knock us out. So the Angels game is going to start um, an hour and a half before the Astros game starts. So it should be over uh, before, before your game is. But one of the things that's different this year, and I think a lot of people may not realize this since there aren't fans of the ballpark, you don't have the out-of-town scoreboards up in a lot of stadiums now. And I believe, I'm not sure if that's the case in Seattle. I know it's the case at Minute Maid Park. That's got to be kind of different. I mean, everybody likes to say that they're not scoreboard watching, but I think especially when you get in a situation like this, it's kind of hard not to, not to at least peek from time to time, right? I watch, uh, I scoreboard watch from, you know, opening day, you know, just to see who's hot, who's not, who's scoring runs. Uh, you know, potential, uh, you know, shutouts or no hitters. And, you know, like I like watching the scoreboard, you know, like I miss the scoreboard in a, uh, in Minute Maid Park because that was like a premium scoreboard. Uh, the only thing is in the visiting dugout where I'm used to seeing you had, you couldn't see down in the corner down there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like it's, you know, it's fun to, you know, scoreboard watch as long as you don't take it away from, you know, what you're doing in the game. But, you know, like I had warned everybody about, uh, you know, the way that, you know, Anaheim had played us when we were there. And the, the fact that they were, you know, you know, they were, um, you know, getting hot and they can certainly hit. And it was a situation where, you know, uh, us and everybody's watching us in Seattle and, you know, then you don't want, uh, you know, Anaheim to, you know, sneak in there. And I, I was telling a story this morning that reminded me in eighth grade, uh, some guy, uh, you know, uh, one of the guys I went to school with, you know, reminded me that, uh, uh, you know, it was a couple of junior high school uh, track meets and I was running to 330 for my central junior high. And uh, one of my good friends I went to church with, he played, you know, he ran track for the university high school. 
And, uh, you know, I was watching him and he was watching me. And then this one kid from Gage Junior High School outran us both while we were <laughs> watching each other. And so, uh, you know, you got you to gotta, you gotta beat everybody, uh, you know, that's in the race and you got to pay attention and don't underestimate anybody. You know, you've seen this Mariners team. You saw them at the beginning of the season, the first team you played. You're seeing them in your next to last series of the season. I know you've talked about uh, how they, they seem like they have a, a quite a bit of fight now. What what are some other differences you've seen? Well, you know, they're getting good pitching, number one. And, uh, you know, like they, you know, they got a little bit different personnel. Uh, you know, I think Scott Service has put his mark on, on, on the Mariners. You know, he is a guy that, you know, had played for me in San Francisco and also had played for the Astros. And, uh, you know, I think he's doing a, a fine job over there because, you know, he told me early in the year that, you know, we're young, but, you know, we'll be all right. You know, I'm like trying to console him, but not, not too much, you know, just all oh, Scotty hang in there, you know, it'll be okay. But, uh, uh, you know, they made a run here, you know, they're playing good ball and they got some good players. I mean, you know, when you look at Sager, you look at Crawford, Franz can hit and you really look at Lewis and I had Marmalejos in, in, uh, in Washington. And so, you know, they got some good players, white, you know, when he makes contact, I mean, he can, he can, you know, knock lights out of the ball. So D Gordon's not even playing. And mm-hmm. so, but he's playing tonight. So, uh, yeah, these guys are going to be uh, tough. I think our division is going to be extremely, uh, you know, tough next year. You have uh, Zach Rinke on the mound uh, for today's game. And everybody, I think, has an idea that Grinky, you know, he's, he's a little different than, than most. What's your uh, relationship been like with, with Zach Ranke and how's that developed over the, the course of this season? Well, I mean, he's cool with me, you know, like he doesn't say much and, uh, you know, he likes to be left alone, you know, but he's kind of a character. You know, he has a, he has a great personality. Uh, it's just when he chooses to, you know, to display it. And, uh, you know, I have no trouble, uh, you know, you know, with Grinky. I mean, he's always polite. Like I said, he doesn't say much. And, uh, I mean, this guy's a, a tremendous athlete and tremendous competitor. And, uh, you know, I've enjoyed being around him. I mean, he actually, he, he cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he has that dry sense of humor. But, you know, he's always in the game. He's always, always paying attention. And, uh, uh, you know, like his, uh, uh, you know, you can look in his eyes and see that he's paying attention. And, and, and then he knows what's going on and then he gets it. All right, Dusty Baker, Astros manager, thanks for joining us and uh, hope uh, you get to celebrate a little later on today. Man, I'm, I'm for that. This episode of AstroCast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing. This is Steve Sparks, and we've got a special guest today, and it's Dr. Priya Ramshes. She's the breast medical oncologist at Houston Methodist Cancer Center uh, in the Woodlands. First of all, Dr. Ramshes, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me there. It's a great opportunity to do this interview with you. Well, we've got a lot to learn from you. With Breast Cancer Awareness Month on the horizon, uh, we'll start with this, doctor. How prevalent is breast cancer among women in the United States? So right now, the incidence of breast cancer is estimated to be about 13%, which means one out of every eight women in the United States could get breast cancer throughout her lifetime. Then the percentage of women, we've always kind of heard when there's family history, uh, you, you need to probably get checked a little bit more often. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So there are many risk factors for breast cancer. And of course, some breast cancers, we do not have any risk factors for as well. 
Yeah. Amongst all the breast cancer, genetic risks account for about 5 to 10% of the breast cancers that we see. Now, typically for a woman without any risk factors, we start screening at age of 40 with the mammograms. But for women who have a positive family history, we screen them at an earlier age. Sometimes we even start screening as young as 25 to 30 years old. It all depends upon the family history, the type of genetic history that we are getting. And also the screening modalities may change for these patients. We might include MRI as well as mammograms for these women. One thing you know I, that I saw that was pretty interesting that it's not that when you're talking about family history, it's not just your mom or your mom's family history, it's your dad's family history as well, right? Absolutely. And it's not only a family history of breast cancer, but it's a family history of even ovarian cancer, colon cancer, endometrial or uterine cancer. So it's kind of mother's side, father's side, and it can be, you know, a couple of generations, different kind of cancers. So you really need to get a thorough family history taken before, you know, you can make that decision. Let's go uh, to some tips for women. Where do we start with this? Uh, you, you mentioned some ages when they start needing to get checked more often. Yes. So as across the board, the age for screening is 40 years old. Uh, yeah. Of course, women should do monthly self-exam on their own. If you have a positive family history, then I would say talk to your primary care physician or your gynecologist and you know the recommendations may change. We might even be able to do the genetic testing if you meet the criteria, but basically talk to your physician about what is the right age for you and what kind of screening is best for you. Let me ask you, what, what's it like right now? You know, pe people probably are tiptoeing a little bit about going to the hospital because of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what's it like if you go to the hospital right now? Is there additional screenings? That's a great point that you bring up because that's what we have been seeing mm. is that people are just afraid to get their screening done because of this feeling that, you know, the hospitals are full of COVID and you don't want to get that done. But I think that is like a really bad decision to make because many yeah. of these cancers, you can catch them early, you can cure the patient. Hospitals are extremely safe. We are taking all the precautions. We do want any incoming patients, visitors to wear masks. We have checking points where we are checking the temperature. And I yeah. honestly think at this time, it is one of the safest that we have seen it being. So please do not put off any of your screening, including your screening mammogram because of this fear. By being physically active, do, do you find that a, a lot of women uh, can reduce the, the risk of breast cancer? Absolutely. Breast cancer, majority of the patients, it's fed by estrogen and progesterone. And a lot of this estrogen and progesterone that you know, causes the feeding is really generated by the fat content that we have. So regular exercise, following a good diet, avoiding smoking, avoiding alcohol, all of these are very good practices. In fact, exercise should be a part of our daily lifestyle in addition to eating healthy. The American Cancer Society recommends at least 150 minutes of exercise in a week on a weekly basis. Of course, you can split it up to about 30 minutes at any given time. You don't need to do 150 minutes. So yes, that definitely will um, add to your risk of not getting cancer. I mean, that's walking, gardening. There's, there's a lot of activities, find things that you enjoy, but 150 minutes is a good barometer, right? 150 minutes a week is definitely a good range that you should be exercising. That'll help you control your weight, which is also a great deterrent. Yes, and the weight control is 
one of i think you know life healthy lifestyle diet regular physical activity goes a long way in reducing the incidence of breast cancer tell me about the clinical trials right now the goal for us is to cure cancer across all stages and breast cancer is one of them where we are participating in a lot of clinical trials uh we of course are partnering up with a main methodist facility and many of these clinical trials can be offered to the patients at their community which is right here in woodlands very good well this is dr priya ramshesh from houston methodist she's a breast oncologist uh and she does a great job houston methodist uh, is our partners and uh, a big part of my life as well so i i thank you for for coming in and sharing all this uh wisdom and hopefully we, we make life a little bit better for some people listening today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. For more information about Houston Methodist, call 713-790-3333 or visit HoustonMethodist.org. Remember, Houston Methodist, the official health care provider for the Houston Astros, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. AstroCast is poured for you by Carbock Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLP and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbock Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to AstroCast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Questions for Troy Snicker. Uh, appreciate, appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Um, how would you assess the offense's performance uh, now um, through this season? Um, I would say, I would say a, a more inconsistent than than what we're accustomed to. Um, this thing's been a it's been a crazy ride. It's been a crazy year. Um, you know, I would say as a whole, it's just it's been it, it's been a little difficult to to get a bunch of guys locked in and keep them locked in for for an extended period of time. You know, for an offense in the big leagues to be successful. You know, you, you want to have competitive at bat after competitive at bat. You know, you, you want as many guys feeling feeling good and feeling dangerous in the lineup um, every day. And, and I just feel I just feel like we haven't had as the consistency of having a, you know as many guys locked in together. You know, at the same time, we've you know guys have some guys have been battling some stuff. Um, whether it you know be in their swing or. Um, fatigue or whatever, whatever you have it off the, you know, off days, inconsistencies. So, um, you know, I think we've seen some, we've seen some bright spots from, from some guys and we've, you know, we've, we've had some guys that have been, you know, fairly consistent throughout the season. And, you know, we've also had some guys that have been grinding away to try to, to try to get locked in and, and stay locked in. So, um, it's just, you know, in a, in a really short season, you, you don't have the, you don't have the length to, to get going and, and stay there. Um, sometimes hitters need time. You know, this hitting's really, really hard. And sometimes these guys need, they, they need some space and they need some time to get things going and to, to feel comfortable, to feel dangerous in the box. And um, so I think that's all it's been. On the whole, and if you look at your season, you guys are still up there in contact rate, but the, the slug is way down relative to sure. last year. Is there anything you can point to on the, on the cumulative as to why the slugging is down? You know, I think the slug's down. If you look, the slug's down across the league. It's not just – it's not our, our team in general. Um, 
or just just our team there's you know I, I think the contact's probably down for other teams I guess that's a you know that's a positive in in our situation and we have a lot of guys who um we have a lot of guys who who make a lot of contact they're good in the strike zone they're you know they've they've made you know consistent contact over their over their career or, or with us and um as far as the as far as the slugging you know i i, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a secret or anything across the league that, you know, guys were, weren't able to, to prepare the same way that they had been, you know, in a, in a normal season. So I, I don't think that that's, that's, that's no secret. You know, you, we shut guys down in their house for, for months and then, you know, we can't, we can't go to the training facilities. We, we don't have a timeline for the season. So I, I think that's, I think that's natural across the league. I think we're seeing that with a lot of different hitters um, in in baseball right now. Uh, I think that that's something that's going to get back. I think once these guys have a normal off season, that you know the some of the power numbers and everything will come back. Um, you know, once we have you know f- four months to to prepare and knowing what we're the date we're preparing for. So I I think it's a consistent thing across the league, and I I think it's something that's going to get back. Troy, what, what what do you see with Jose Altuve right now, and where do you, do you think it's more mental with him than physical? You know, hit, hitting is a combination of both. It's uh, it's it's part physical, part mental. Um, but when you're struggling, it's a lot mental. But I see uh, right now, I see a Jose Altuve that feels like he's on the up. I know he feels. He feels confident right now. He he feels like he's going to finish this season strong. He feels like he's going to going to carry us in the playoffs um, and and throughout the rest of the year and and, and down the stretch. Um, but I, I've seen I've seen a lot more consistent swings. Like even last night, you know he's he's just missing some balls to the outfield that you know are, are some high quality swings and and you know, the direction's better and he's barreling some balls and just, and, and just missing them just a tick. But I see, I see the swings getting more consistent. I see him, I see him, see him feeling more dangerous. I, you know, I think it's, it's definitely been on the up here. When you look at the inconsistency that he's had so far, like what are the common trends mechanically that, you know, that he's fallen into? Uh, it's just some, just a little bit of direction issues. I think um, so. Um, you know, it's just a he, he's so talented. It's it's such you know hitting when you, when you're off. It can be especially with these guys in the big leagues and the guys that we have who are you know such high quality players. Sometimes just the smallest thing being off can 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 make a big difference. So just you know just a you know a small thing in somebody's load or you know, just a little bit of a inconsistencies in the direction of, of swings can, can make a big difference because these guys are pitching's good. Pitching's always has the advantage. And, you know, we, they don't tell us what, you know, they, they don't tell us where the ball is going to be on the plate. So, you know, it's, uh, it can be, it, you know, just the smallest bit of, you know, directional change can be the, the, the world of difference. I see him, you know, I see him in a stronger position here 
down the recent stretch, which leads to some better direction in the swings. I mean, he's spraying some balls around. He dropped, you know, last night he, he just missed one to left. They got in on him. He just barely cut one to right center. Um, so we're starting to see the, the Altuve that's, that's lining balls, you know, all across the field. What about Tucker? How's, how's he grown this year? Is this kind of, uh, you know, what you guys expected just from what you'd seen him do in the minor leagues? Um, yeah, I mean, we do expect him to do this because he is, um, he's, he's very skilled. He's very talented. He's smart. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he's growing, you know, well past where he was in the minor leagues, um, already. And I think he's got, I think he's got a lot of room still to grow as a hitter. He's taken some big steps this year to, you know, to be able to consistently compete against, against anybody. I mean, he's, he's one of the guys in our lineup that it doesn't matter if you're throwing 90, it doesn't matter if you're throwing 100. You know, we feel good with him, you know, at the plate. And I think he's just taking a step. I think he's taking a step in his swing. I think he's taking a step forward in his preparation. I think he's taking a step forward in just knowing what type of hitter he really needs to be to be successful at the major league level. You can, you can get away with a lot in the minor leagues, especially for somebody who's as talented as him. And when you get to the big leagues, it's, you know, you, there's, you don't get as much to hit. You, you know, you get, you get forced to be a little more perfect in a lot of areas. And I think that, uh, I think he's just taken a, he's taken gains in, in a lot of these areas. You know, it's not just one thing for, for why he's, you know, having, having a good year. Um, it's, it's growth in a lot of different areas and I, and there's more to come there. He's, he's, he's still got a ways to go still. There have been hitters across the league that have talked about um, the lack of in-game video and how that's maybe affected some of the offense. Have, have your hitters given you that same feedback? Do you think that is a, a part of why some of the guys are struggling? Yeah, that's something that can't be measured. You know, we, you, you don't know how big of a deal it is until you don't have it anymore. Um, but I, I think especially for veteran teams like or veteran lineups like we have, it it hurts more than for younger teams in the league, just because our guys are, our guys have been unbelievable about making, making adjustments with whether it be the swing, whether it be, you know, how pitchers are attacking them. Um, they're honestly, that, that's, that was one of the biggest strengths that I felt we had as an offense where we had a bunch of guys who were willing to make adjustments in the game. They wanted to be coached in the game. They they wanted to they didn't want to go 0 for four before or 0 for three before they changed something. These guys were doing it immediately. Um, they you know they know them they know themselves well, but it's hard to it's uh, it's hard to make adjustments when you can't see exactly what it is. I don't care how good your eyes are, how long you've been in the game. The game happens really fast, and and especially for a player, and and sometimes you do things that you know, you see on video and it doesn't add up to what you're thinking it looks like. And, and that's huge, whether it's the assurance of, you know, you doing something right that you've worked on or whether it's, Hey, I'm nowhere close to what I actually think I'm doing. And I need to continue to try to make another adjustment. Um, it's, it's just huge. It's, it's something that, you know, you, you, uh, you can't put a, you can't put a number on, you can't put how, you know, you, you can't determine how much we, you know, we need it or hitters need it throughout the game. Um, but it's, it's valuable. And I think it's very valuable on teams like we have, 
you know, with a lineup we have here who guys aren't, aren't afraid to, they're not afraid to think during the game. They're not afraid to, to make an adjustment during the game. They don't just, they don't want to just coast through their at-bats. Um, so I think it, it's something that definitely is hurting hitters across the league as well. Um, some more than others. I know baseball is a frustrating game in general, but for, yeah, kidding, buddy. <laughs> for you specifically, I mean, as the hitting coach, how frustrating has this year been for you when you know you've got guys that have track records of producing and that you've got very good hitters that, that just they're not able to produce in some situations this year? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think it's – I mean, it's, it's – yeah, it's – you, you want to score eight runs a game and you want to – you know, win by five or six every time you go out. Um, I'm, I'm only, you know, you only get really frustrated as a hitting coach is if you feel like you're not doing everything that you can as a group to, to try to accomplish those goals. Um, I can't be frustrated with guys who are really, who are, who are trying, they're, they're working, they're making adjustments, they're putting in the time on the, on the video advance work. you know, they're, they're willing to do stuff in the cage to, to try to right the ship. Um, I think if that wasn't the case, it would be more frustrating, but I feel like our guys are, are grinding away. They're, they're doing, they're doing what they can to, to try to stay locked in and, and put performances together. So as much as you want to score runs and as much as you want to, you know, you want your run differential to be through the roof. Um, you know, it's, it's about, at the end of the day, you can you can sleep at night if if you know that you did everything you possibly could to prepare for that game, and to put the you know to put the best performance out there. This this thing's not easy. Um, this game's not easy in a normal season. Hitting's not easy in a normal season, and and they're not excuses. What's at all? Nobody's making excuses, but we've had more challenges than normal. And you know, I I wouldn't say. I'm not frustrated with any of the guys because the effort is like it always is, is outstanding. Our guys are pros. They're, they're, you know, they're, they want to do well. They, they're, they're not leaving a stone unturned. At this point of your career, do you still get excited to work with the, the younger hitters that are coming up, you know, behind the, the Springers and the Brantleys and the Correas and the Bregnans and things like that in your organization? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, they're, it's always, uh, they're, it's, it's fun because there's, you, you can see that you can see potential in players and, you know, just like in somebody like a Tucker, you, you know, you, you love to see those guys be successful and, and have their dreams, you know, realized at the major league level. And, um, you know, with, with guys that young guys that we bring up, um, you know, it's not, it's not easy to, to establish yourself in the big leagues. Uh, you can't, you can't replicate the the major league game in the minor leagues. You can do as much as you want, as much as you can possibly think of to try to prepare these guys. But the only thing that prepares them for the major leagues is the major leagues. And so these guys, it's, it's fun to, to figure out the formula of, you know, what type of hitter they need to be, what kind of swing is going to work in the big leagues, what type of approach is going to work. It's, it's, um, it's fun and it's fun to, it's really fun to see when those guys click, you know, and they, and you start to see them get comfortable with the league and you start to see them get comfortable and believe in themselves at this level um, and kind of, kind of realize the potential that you saw with them, you know, with a lot of these guys th three or four years ago. 
how pumped is your dad to uh, three consecutive division titles? He's uh, doing some special things. You know, I got to call him. I haven't talked to him yet. <laughs> it's, it sucks when we're on the West Coast and he's, yeah. you know, in Atlanta. But I got to call him. Thanks for reminding me, Brian. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm obviously very happy for him. And, um, you know, it's uh, he's he's been through a lot. He's, he's uh, you know, spent a lot of time on buses and everything else. And it's uh, – you know, it's always good to see. It's good to see him. You know, with this run, I hope he can. You know, you wish him the best and hope they can. Uh, you know, hope we can knock him out of the playoffs, like we talked about last year. Right. He's got to do his part this year. All right, Troy. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. All right, guys. Questions for Josh Miller. What are some of the things you worked on with uh, Preston? Yeah, I think Strami was saying something about posture being a big key, um, but he looks like he's been a different guy here in the last month. Yeah, um, you know, takes a while for some of these guys to get in the routine and get rolling. And, you know, with Ryan, since his knee injury last year, his delivery has been a little inconsistent. Um, just getting back to where he was at the beginning of 19 was it was a key, and we use that as a guide to, you know, get him moving properly and, and getting into his legs a little bit better. What is that? What what impact has that had? Like, and what what was what was he struggling with in particular uh, earlier in the year? Uh, just feel for his fastball command and 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 the shape. You know, he's got a really good fastball when it's right, and we just had to get him on time more consistently so he could he could execute it and and throw it to uh, you know what he's accustomed to doing. What he showed last year when he was you know one of the best relievers on the planet. As someone that's been around. Framber for like two or three years now. How much different of a person is he this year compared to his other two years in the big league? Yeah, I mean, he's, he showed in, in West Palm Beach early. He came in um, just more focused. Uh, his day-to-day has improved tr- tremendously. He's, you know, just, just able to have a purpose for everything he's doing practice-wise. And it, it certainly led to, you know, more success and more consistency, which you know, we, we knew was, was an issue last year uh, and he's shorted up and, you know, the, the, the fruits are, are showing. He's, he's definitely throwing the ball really well. What's impressed you the most about some of these young guys, some of whom have barely pitched above double A that have come up and been able to assimilate in your bullpen and get leverage? Actually? Um, you know, I've had experience with a lot of these guys in the minor leagues, uh, either directly as their pitching coach or when I was uh, at the complex and, and a coordinator. And, you know, we've always known that they're very talented. They all have very good pitches and just the ability to execute them against major league hitters. You know, I, I, I'd be lying to you guys if I said that we were, you know, sure that it was going to work coming into this year with the, the personnel we had, but they've definitely stepped up and and are, are gaining comfort every time they take the mound. And, and that's, a, that's a good thing. Having, having confidence when they're out there is definitely leading to, to good things for these guys. Long-term, long what, what do you think Anoli Paredes can be? Is he, is he you know, a reliever for you? And, and like what, where does he fit long-term, do you think? You know, he's, I think, a traditional scout view of him, you know, smaller-bodied, kind of high – high energy delivery would, would make you think reliever. Um, you know, he started for us in the minor leagues. He's got four quality plus pitches that, 
you know, if he, he can get consistent, he, he could definitely start down the road. I think for now it's, it's easy to kind of have him in there and in, in the eighth and, and kind of take the, take the reins off and let him go and, uh, you know, high octane from the start. And, and he's, he's shown he's pretty good at doing that too. Obviously you had, you had to get to know Blake Taylor a little bit quicker just because he was a trade acquisition, but what has he shown you in the first three or four? Uh, just real resilient arm. He's got a hard and heavy fastball that plays in his own. Um, wants to learn. He's out there. He's 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 positive. He's he's a good presence in the bullpen. He's he's he impressed us before we shut down back in West Palm Beach. And you know, due to other circumstances, after this restart, he's he's you know solidified himself as a really really quality option in in our bullpen. I know he's not on the roster right now, but we haven't heard much about Brian Abreu lately. Do you know kind of what's going on with him? Uh, yeah, he was optioned down to the uh, alternate training site, uh, trying to, you know, shore up his uh, his delivery, get him a little more consistent, and, you know, trying to find those uh, the keys that made him a really, really big part of our team uh, last September. And, and, you know, he made the a- a- ALCS roster against the Yankees, um, you know, just – came in a little bit out of shape and, and wasn't able to, to uh, create that delivery consistently. And, and he was down there working on that and, you know, still will continue to do that. What, what have you thought of uh, Brooks Raley and how, how big is that, uh, that cutter for him? Yeah, what a, what a dynamite acquisition that was, uh, you know, uh, getting him in a trade with the, with the Reds after they had, they designated him for assignment, um, you know, just elite spin, the cutter and the slider play off each other really well. You know, he was a starter for a long time when he was pitching in Korea. And, you know, he's got five pitches, too, that he can command and, and execute a plan with. You know, he's got a good four-seam, a two-seam, a change-up, a curveball, a cutter, and a slider. You know, similar to, you know, the stuff profile that Wade Miley had last year for us. And, you know, he's he's gotten some really, really big outs for us out of the pen this year and, and is, is a guy that we can we can definitely lean on here down the stretch. Are you in very much communication with, with Roberto Osuna? Uh, I've texted and talked to him a few times. Um, you know, he's, he's playing catch and um, he's, he's, he's doing well in, in spirits. And, you know, we, he's, he's sorely missed. Um, you know, we love him in the bullpen. He was a great mentor. He would, he would have been a, a really good mentor to the young bullpen we have now if he was around. And, you know, we're hoping for the best for, for Roberto. We saw Javier obviously come out of the bullpen in Dodger Stadium and do some really good things a couple of weeks ago. What makes him resilient enough to where he can transition between being a starter and possibly coming out of the bullpen if you need him in the playoffs? Yeah, you know, it's a thing. He's been a really, really solid starter for us this year. Um, I would assume, you know, I don't think we've made any decisions or had any um, official uh, conversations about this. In a three-game series, you know, maybe he could pencil in and be a reliever. In a five-game series, he's probably going to be a, star- a starter for us without any days off. Um, you know, his stuff is unique. He throws from kind of a lower slingy arm slot, and the fastball just kind of jumps and, and plays on guys. Um, it'll probably, in, in a shorter stint relief role, the stuff probably plays up a little bit. And, you know, his 90 to 93 probably turns into, you know, 92 to 95, and, and, and that'll may, make it a little more effective. Coach, early on this year, Dusty talked about the, the walks and that, and that being a big issue. Uh, but you all have cut down on that a lot tremendously the last 10 to 15 games. What, what um, did you tell them or what pointers did you give them in order for them to be able to cut down on those walks? Well, uh, you know, 
Brent Strom and myself and our analytics team, you know, it's a constant conversation all year about, hey, what can we do to get these guys better and, and what type of message should we have? And, you know, we haven't really strayed from it. Um, we, we obviously had a lot of walks early in the year and just, you know, making sure that these guys trust their stuff and, and realize that it does play at the big league level in zone. I think it's, it's, it's showing that these guys are getting a little more comfortable in game and, and, and trust in their stuff. Uh, you know, a, a lot can be said too, to our, our catchers, you know, Maldi and, and Garneau, um, you know, are, are part of that conversation too. And, and, and they're out there on the field of battle, like trying to, you know, make sure these guys do trust their stuff and, and they can be confident and attack in zone with it. And it, it's, it's starting to, uh, you know, be apparent that we're, we're let, letting it work in the zone and, and, and seeing positive things happen. What's it like working with Brent Strom? Maybe some of the stuff we can't see behind the scenes. Uh, he's, he's a, 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 you know, constant uh, source of joy for me. Uh, I'm learning a ton from him. Um, he's, he's fun, fun to talk to. He's got a great sense of humor, tons of baseball knowledge. Um, you know, very fortunate that the last year and this year I get to work so closely with Brent Strong. Can it be hilarious at times working with him? Uh, yes. Yes, it can. I'm curious, uh, Brandon Belak, you had him in long relief early in the year. He was really good. Then he had that run of starts. And then it's really been a lot of struggles since then. What do you think the difference has been? And what, what's, what is, is he working on to get back to the early season form? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we established um, some goals for every pitcher at the start of the year and, um, you know, try and, and go back to these, the goal sets as a, as a uh, you know, a revisit or a source of focus for the guys so they can, you know, not get so caught up in the end result, win, loss, you know, out hit. It's more about executing pitches and, and, and plan and using your plan of attack. Um, you know, Brandon was really good for us as a starter for his first uh, couple of starts, handful of starts, and, you know, got away from some things and, and we're, we're, you know, trying to, to shore those up and, you know, he's, he's, he's working like heck and working hard to, to get back to those things. It's hard when you're not pitching consistently and you don't have that, you got to, you know, constantly be ready as a reliever. You can't get much work on the side and, you know, you don't pitch for a week or two at a time. It, it's tough. Um, you know, he's a really talented young man and, and he's got really good pitches that we know will play. And it's just a, a matter of him getting in and, and having some success. Coach, along those same lines, how do you get a starter or a former starter to, to buy into being a reliever? You know, it's tough. It's a different animal. Um, the, the, the mental preparation, the physical uh, recovery aspect from outing to outing, it, it all plays in. And, and a lot of these guys right now that we have in the bullpen, they, they have been starters their whole lives until this year. And, you know, finding and discovering a process and, and a way for them to be ready is, is we're, some of them were still in a discovery mode about it. Um, you know, the monitoring the volume of throwing in between outings on, on the day to day and, and when can you kind of push and when do you need to step back? It, it all, it all matters. And um, everybody's a little bit different. I, I would, you know, most guys are going to say they want to be a starter. Um, you know, knowing when you're going to pitch uh, can, can be a, a definite benefit to having success, but, you know, some of these guys are finding that, you know, if they can trust their process, that, that, that are, they're in a good spot to be a, a solid reliever and, and part of this team right now. Hey guys, anything else for Josh? Nope. 
All right, Josh. Thanks, man. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. See you. Questions for Astros manager Dusty Baker. Hey, Dusty, with, uh, you know, Altuve has gone through struggles all season, but um, do, you, do you get more concerned about him as you get closer to the playoffs that he might be a guy that could be a liability in your lineup? Oh, come on, man. How is he a liability? I mean, I mean, he's Jose Altuve. I mean, you know, uh, uh, he's always risen to the occasion. I don't, I don't think in terms like that. I think in terms of the law of averages on his side, you know, I mean, you know, what would you do sitting down? You said, I mean, most liabilities, you try to get rid of them. You know, what would you do? Uh, Brian, would you sit him down during these playoffs? Let me ask you uh, in, in, in reverse. No, not during the playoffs, but I mean, I, uh, with the way he was hitting, I mean, I'd, you know, drop him down the last week or so to see if he could get it going a little bit. I know that, you know, he wanted you know, to be better. Dropped, I, yeah, I did that earlier in the year, but I mean, he wasn't, you know, it didn't help him. You know, it helped him to come back up. And, I mean, he hit some balls hard this last week. You know what I mean? He's making contact. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of, you know, he'll rise to the occasion because he's always been a big game guy. And when you get to the playoffs, you know, you start your season all over again. You know, no matter what you did during the season, you hope it carries over into the playoffs. But, I mean, a lot of times it doesn't. So, you know, all the numbers or, or the lack of numbers that you might have had during the regular season, then, I mean, let's face it, this isn't a regular season, you know? I mean, uh, uh, shoot, I've seen guys 50-some games. I mean, you would have released Eddie Murray and, and Ryan Sandberg the first 50 games almost every year. And then at the end of the year, you know, which, which this year we don't have that time, you know, you know, water seeks its own level, and, 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 and sooner or later it's going to get there. Have you set any of your, your starting pitchers for the Rangers series? Uh, yep. Uh, we started our first, uh, you know, two guys. Um, uh, um, uh, Javier and Urquidy. And then after that, you know, to be named uh, TPA. You get any update on Gary Pettis yet? Uh, no, I'm 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 actually waiting on that. I, I'm gonna call him, you know. When you get off, you know, like you hate to keep calling a guy and saying you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And so you kind of wait for him to call you. You know, he was calling me, I don't know, almost daily, but you know, he's, he's waiting on a final test. So you know, I, I just don't, um, you know, want to want to bother him. Obviously, you've played Maldonado a whole lot this year when you get into the playoffs and I mean if you guys advance past the three games I mean that's gonna be five games and five that could be five games in five days do you worry about no off days playing your catcher no not really I mean we've only he's only caught 44 games and ordinarily 44 games wouldn't be nothing you know what I mean so it's not like he's, he's you know we've played 150 games so I mean we've only played 44 games and when the game I mean he has a uh, 45 when the season started, he went to play all 60. You know what I mean? I was like, I think a lot of that was probably just talk. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, we had to go with, you know, the best of what we had, uh, uh, you know, for as long as we could. And, uh, no, uh, I'm, I mean, we'll see, you know, how it goes.
I know you, you guys want to clinch and everything, but have you guys already started looking towards possible matchups and, and planning some stuff out? Uh, a little bit, but not much. I mean, yeah, you got to accomplish. I've, I've just learned one thing. You got to accomplish one goal before you set another goal or else you never reach that first goal that you set. You know, I mean, that's just like, hey, man, I'm going to, I like to hit 300, then I get to 298, and then I say, well, I want to hit 315, and then guess what? You end up hitting 285. So, you know, you got to accomplish the, you know, the first goal first, and then, and then we'll reset. I mean, it's, I mean, we've discussed some things, uh, you know, but not in, in uh, it, it, you know, not in its entirety or, 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 you know, put it down seriously on paper. Um, you know, we don't even know who we're going to face. You know, I mean, first you got to know who you're going to face before you start playing. Who would you prefer to face? Doesn't matter. I, I, I just prefer to get there. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, uh, yeah. we've played nobody but the West, you know, so how do you even know? Um, you know, I followed the Central. I followed the East, but not, not, not real closely you know i watch games every day and most nights and uh, i don't know much about uh i mean i see the the white Sox are playing lights out i see the the uh uh you know cleveland's playing gray i see the yankees are extremely hot uh, uh tampa was extremely hot uh you know uh who else toronto is strong you know, if you're going to go deep in the playoffs all the way, you got to beat whoever. Dusty, with that being said, you you would play either a team that you've played against ten times or a team that you played against none. Is it a little uneasy, possibly having to face a team in the playoffs that you haven't seen yet? Well, they're in the same position. Maybe they're uneasy about playing us. You know, so. Dusty, how much of uh, Michael Brandley's influence have you seen on Kyle Tucker this year? He's starting to be way more patient at the plate. I don't know. You know, Michael doesn't say a whole bunch. You know, Michael, uh, you know, leads by example. Uh, I mean, if anything, I've seen the the, the uh, influence that, you know, Michael has had on Springer as much as anything. And, uh, you know, Kyle's kind of quiet. He's real quiet. And, uh you know, like I had urged him to, to, you know, not to be more patient, you know, because he, as a young hitter, you want him to be aggressive, but, but the swing of strikes. And if you swing of strikes, then automatically you're going to appear to be patient because you're not swinging at low percentage balls to hit. Uh, because there was a time not long ago where probably had like four walks, uh, 100 and something. Uh, and, and it's not because they weren't, uh, pitching to him, but because he was chasing them, you know, and you can't chase them all over the strike zone. And expect to expect to hit. So, uh, you know, he's you know he's maturing, you know, and uh, so you kind of just let him let him learn and let him be. And if you see something, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago that you know sometimes young players, you you know, we overcoach them sometimes. You know, some of these things they got to learn on their own. And I remember when Hank Aaron. When I was struggling, you know, I'd look at him and he'd look down or look across the room or something. And then when he, when I was just stinking up the joint so badly, then he would like come to me. So, like I said, sometimes I think, you know, we overcoach 
instead of letting uh, you know you know the kids learn some of this on their own. Dusty, you obviously inherited Troy Snicker and, and Josh Miller. What have you made yeah. of them? What have you made of them after just seeing them uh, handle themselves every day? Well, I mean, I I inherited everybody, uh, you know, except except uh, uh, Chris Spire, you know, and uh, I mean, these guys they work exceptionally hard, and they know the personnel. They take it personal, you know. Uh, you know, when the guys don't do well and perform. And, you know, but they don't uh, uh, yearn for the credit when the guys do well, you know, and that's what good coaches do. You know, I mean, they, I mean, they live and die, you know, with these guys. Strami is the same way, you know, Joe Spada, like I said, I inherited, you know, Lopez, I inherited, you know, Michael in, in the bullpen. Uh, you know, I inherited everybody except, uh, you know, Chris Byer. Dusty, over the last couple of years, the, the Astros have always been the hunted and never been the hunter. Do you think that being in this position now, even though it's kind of unusual for a couple of your veteran players, do you think that that's a, a good thing? Maybe it, it re-energizes them to, you know, for the chase and for the hunt? Well, maybe. I mean, you know, you don't know till you get in it. Uh, but, you know, every year is different. I mean, you're not always going to be the hunter. You know, the, the roles – change but but the but the eventual goal is the same you know whether you're the hunter or the hunted uh you know i've been both and uh, but these guys haven't had a close pennant race in a while and uh, uh you know this you know i think that this will will you know do nothing but you know but help them in the long run you know how to deal in both scenarios dusty there were there's a lot of rhetoric during the uh, spring training earlier in the year about uh, people being critical of the Astros and talking about what they would do with them once the regular season started. Has yeah. there been that much rhetoric back and forth between the dugouts during these games that you played during the regular season? Uh, no, I mean, there's been none other than, you know, the time in L.A. And, uh, you know, I heard some, you know, some things – you know, they didn't know I was there to hear them in different clubhouses that are that are very close to us. You know what I mean? But you know, people people have have, have uh, you know two faces sometimes. You know, sometimes they'll be one way uh, in front of you, and then there'll be another way. You know, uh, you know behind you. So you know, there's not a bunch of people pulling for us. And if you think they are, then you know, then you're you're fooling yourself. You know, there. I mean, there's. There's some people out there pulling for us. Uh, definitely, there's some people out there pulling for me. But there's also some people pulling against us and against me. So, hey, man, uh, you know, people can be people can be fake. You know what I mean? So, if they're fake, that, you know that doesn't bother me. I just know who the fake ones are. But you haven't seen that in in your face hostility to the degree that people might have expected before the season started. Well, you know, people don't get in my face with hostility. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a turn the other cheek type brother. You know, so uh, I don't I don't approach people, you know, with hostility. Uh, now, when the game starts, then there's hostility of there naturally being a competitor. But you know, people don't get in my face too much, uh, or else I get you out of my face. What do you think the uh, in the when the playoffs start? You got three or four guys in the bullpen who coming into this year didn't have much experience. They're going to be on you know the biggest stage of their lives. Um, 
what do you kind of expect from them or would be the biggest challenges for them? You don't know. I mean, you don't know, you know, who the likely heroes will be. You never know until you get there. I mean, you can expect all you want to, or guys can say, I can handle this, I can handle that. I mean, you know, the, the least and the smallest might end up being the, you know, the, you know, the most brave and the biggest, you know what I mean? I mean, um, uh, you know, they wouldn't have chosen David to slew Goliath, really. Nobody would have chosen. You know what I mean? So you never know, you know, like, like who's going to be that person. You never know. I, I've seen stars do nothing. I've been there many times. And, and then I've seen some of the guys that you don't count on, uh, you know, get some of the biggest hits or some of the, some of the you know, pitch the biggest games. Of, of, of their lives because one thing's for sure everybody here was a star where they came from it's just that at, at, at this level they don't shine as brightly on a daily basis uh as some because it's a sifting out process you know like you're sifted out all the way up from little league to pony league to high school to college to pros to uh and and everybody here is capable of shining and anytime, you just never know when they're going to shine. Astrocast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing, the official podcast of the Houston Astros.